the word of God, and I want to lift up the Lord Jesus, who knows all the turns that we should make before we get there. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that has uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God that looks ahead and supplies here. Yay. So we're just excited about what the Lord Jesus is doing in our lives individually and corporately. So this morning, we want to continue a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Entering and Departing or Departing and Entering. It's just like seed time and harvest. It's a powerful, profitable principle that you must understand to navigate life. Life is just like children. If you don't know these things, children are learning everything in life. They're learning for the first time. And so they, they, they act a little rowdy and they do things. We go, don't you understand? Well, they're children and they're just learning. Well, sometimes Christians are the same way. We're just children and we act like there are no principles. We understand not to jump off the house, the roof of the house. Gravity is going to take over as soon as you launch. And you're not, I'm not exempt from that. We're not exempt from it. Well, we're not exempt from these other spiritual laws that are just as powerful and just as consistent, if not more, than gravity. Amen. So uh, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Now, in this series, as in just about every series, we're not ministering to the lost. Although the lost, if, you, if you're not born again, if you're a if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this will minister to you, but you can't activate these principles until you get born again. I said nothing's working until you say yes to Jesus. So you're going to have troubles. The devil's going to you know, beat your brains out if you try to do anything uh, spiritual without the new birth. It's called religion, and religion is always a failure. Amen. So we're, this morning, from this pulpit, we're ministering to born-again believers, born-again Christians. Uh, we're ministering to people that have the love of God shed abroad in their heart. And that makes us able to discern the things of the Spirit. The Word of God is spiritual. And the Bible says that if you're carnal or if you're uh, natural, you can't understand the things of the Spirit. So you have to understand, we're just going to take some leaps and take some assumptions here that you already know the Lord Jesus, and so there's a heart of understanding inside of you. In other words, you are created to believe, whereas you came from, you were created to think. And we don't think that much anymore. We do want to, you know, uh, go into the boys' bathroom if you're a boy and go into... The, we want to think that much. We want to uh, make sure we eat our dessert second. Ah, go ahead and eat it first anyway. But believing is what we do. So in Matthew chapter 25, we see a, a principle here in verse 21. We'll just pick this one out. It says, uh, uh, the story is, of course, of stewardship. And uh, in verse 15, it says uh, that the master gave to his servants according to their several ability. I hope you have in there written a little arrow that went, goes to a word called capacity. The word is capacity. It's, it's actually from the word dunamis, according to their several power, according to their capacity. So we gave it each one according to how much they could hold. How many of y'all know that we're all learning or progressing towards holding more? Yeah. Yay. That, uh, that you should not have the same capacity as you did five years ago or even five hours ago. So uh, in verse 21, to the one that got uh, given 
five talents and turned five talents into five more. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here it is. Here's the kingdom principle. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. The New Living Translation says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. That'd be life, wouldn't it? God considers, Jesus considers life to be a small thing. People are always like, oh, life's so hard. Life's unfair. It sure is unfair. I said, life is so unfair. And it, you'll never get a good shake from life. You'll ne it'll never be fair. Well, the country's full of racists and full of millionaires and full of, of uh, I, yeah, it is. It is. And it, it always will be until people get born again. Life is not fair, but the kingdom of God is always fair. So if we'll minister and we'll receive our life out of this, it'll always turn out right. This is the great equalizer. Faith is the great equalizer in your life. And when life isn't fair, you can tell your story and whine to God, but he, he's heard it all. <laughs> matter of fact, if you want to tell your story to me, I'll just tell you one that's bigger and better. We've all got a story. We've all got a story of how somebody... It's the somebody done me wrong song. We could all sing it and we do, but you might as well skip it because it just means you haven't tapped in to justice, to mercy, to favor and grace. And that's what we got to do. We got this person did me wrong. Well, yeah, this was a person and, and we're governed by all sorts of things in the earth that aren't fair. So uh, the new living says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. And then he said this, let's celebrate together. So this is not a negative principle. This is how we get promotion. We have a little insight. We don't say, oh, it's hard. We'll just, just get the word of God inside, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and conquer it, dominate it, overcome it. And then it'll be under your feet. And then you'll have life and it'll be fair to you. The only way to be fair is to put the devil in his place. The only way you're going to get life is to put the devil in his place. And the only way he's going to go in his place is just if you use something that's greater than him, the word of God. So, yay. So if you're not speaking the word, if you don't know the word and you're not speaking the word, you're not believing the word, then your life is really a wreck. It's unfair. You're navigating through life and trying to get a dog-eat-dog and -dog a dog-eat-dog -dog world. First, uh, first come, first serve. Early bird gets the worm. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. That's the world's system for navigating life, trying to get the best they can out of a rough situation. It's like swimming down a river. You try to avoid the big trees and the rocks and all that, but it's still swimming down the river. Amen. So I'm going to take my motorboat and come by and pick you up. Hallelujah. So um, it's the nature. It's all of our natures. Say what you want about anybody. It's our nature to want increase in our life. We try, we, as soon as we birth our children, we are navigating for those babies. We're trying to put them in the best clothes so they'll look good and be, and be a reflection on us. We want to send them to the best schools. We want to drive up to that school in the best car we can. Y'all seen the, Buck, the movie Uncle Buck? <laughs> Let me just tell you that, you know, he had that big Lincoln and it, was just, and it backfired and it was, you know, you know, and he's taking his niece to school and she is, she is embarrassed to the, to the bottom. 
you know. Well, we all try to avoid that. We try to drive up in the best we can because we're, we're interested in what people think and we're interested in moving ourselves forward. We all have it in us to increase. We get blunted by something that happened in our life, somebody that said something to us and hurt our feelings or some situation where we want to give up. We want to have depression and we want to commit suicide and, and just give up. But that's just because there's a demonic activity that's telling you that you're not who you are. But if you say, well, who am I? Well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I dominate. I, I always triumph in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. So what is all this other stuff? It's just trash in the river. It's just something in the way. Just get around it. It's better on the other time. Everything has a date stamp on it. Everything has a, uh, a what, what do you call that when, when you, your milk has got expiration date. Every, that's good. Thank you. Everything in the world has an expiration date, and you just got to get past it. If you quit before the world's got its trouble on you, then you'll, you'll be dominated. You'll, you'll fail. So it's the nature of born-again believers to grow up, to increase, to be promoted, to dominate life, to come out on the other side. It's our nature to go to rest. Nobody likes to work all the time, but the reason that we do is because we're looking for a reward. We're looking for a harvest that says, I'm going to do this so that I can rest or so that I can, I can take what I've worked and, and get a better leg up on this over here. We all are inclined that way in all sorts of different ways. That's who we are. It's inside of us. And if you don't care, then you, you're either not born again or you're so uh, uh, backslid that you don't recognize who you are because we're all wanting increase. We're all wanting to walk in love. Sometimes, you know, you get in traffic and the love walk just goes like, you know, you go, ah, I can do better than that. But it's our inclination and we repent of that sort of stuff. In Proverbs, don't turn there, but in Proverbs 28, 20, the Bible says a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Can you say it with me? A faithful man shall abound with blessings. The word abound there, it doesn't just mean, well, he'll have some, he'll run into some, he'll have a few. If the word says abound, it means overflow, it means lots. So uh, I, there's a lot of things you and I can't do. I was talking to Deborah the other day that, that I, my gift set, my skill set is not very long or very wide. It's, I'm just, just so many things I can't do well. I do a lot of things average, a lot of things right. But my claim to getting over there is when nothing else, when, when you're not eloquent, when you're not tall, dark, and handsome, when you're not, 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 can't sing a lick, can't whatever, but I'm faithful. And the Bible says that I can get past a lot of stuff I don't have that I haven't developed yet by just being faithful. I can do that. Now, what for all that I can't do it or don't do uh, well or excel, I can be faithful, and that's where I have drawn my strength As I just say, Buckle up, buddy, because we're not getting, you know, those, those daddies that take their kids on vacation and says, everybody better potty before we go, because it's a long ways to the next restaurant. When's that, daddy? When we run out of gas. <laughs> we'll stop and you can potty. Well, that's the way faithful it is. We just don't, aren't distracted. We're not uh, hesitating. We're not drawing back. I love this scripture. I want you to turn there with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So... In this very, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, so in this mode of life that you and I are sailing through, 
no experience. We didn't come from another life. Don't you wish you could have learned 20, 20 years of stuff and then go back? Well, maybe not go back, but, you know, it took 60-something years to get to here, and now it's like, well, I've used, I've burned 60 years to learn what I should have done in that 60 years, and yet I can't go back. Well, we've got the Word of God that just tells us from the get-go. So you can be, a, you can be an old fool. Uh, being old doesn't make you wise. You can be an old fool. You ever met an old fool? Yes. Yeah, they're old as a tree and they're, they're dumb as a stump and, and they're a fool. But I've seen some young men, some young women that got into this, that believe things, that weren't carnal, didn't say, I don't want to go to church. I want to go be with my friends. Well, yeah, we all would have liked to, but that's, that's an old fool. So we became young, wise people, young, wise men. I, that's where I was. How about you? Not in every realm, for sure, but I did. I was attracted to the gospel. I was attracted to, this is my ticket. This is my way through. I don't have anything that, that would uh, dissuade me. I wasn't wealthy. I wasn't prominent. I didn't come from nothing. So everything for me had to come from the things of the, of the word. Do you all relate to that? Absolutely. Well, it's the best way. Sometimes being wealthy or famous is a big detriment to your life. Sometimes being rock star beautiful is a, is a path downhill. I, but I've coped with it. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can, but, you know, I, 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 I'm doing okay. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. Uh, we got to read this together. Verse 23, ready to read. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. Now, that's powerful. The Bible says that God had to bring them out before, before he could bring them in. He couldn't just slide them in. This is, uh, this is like winning the lotto. This is, uh, uh, you go, well, I got, I got money now. I can go do what I want. Well, if you don't have prosperity on the inside, there is no path for you to prosper. You may have more money than anybody on the block and anybody in your family, but it's leaving you because you can only hold on to money or prosperity or blessing if you have a capacity for it, like we looked at in Matthew. You have to have a capacity. Well, that has to be developed, doesn't it? It has to be tried. It has to be proven. It has to be suffered through. When you do the word and it doesn't seem to work, so you just stay with it until it does. You just outlast the devil. You just outlast people. You just, you pay no attention to what they're saying about you. You just go with God. Well, that's, you just got to do that. And if you hadn't done that, then you're still in the starting blocks. You got a long ways to go. One thing about when I started out uh, a good while ago, there wasn't anybody that, that could help me. There was no churches like this. There was no, it was just get started. But now we got people that can come in and they can stand on our shoulders. They can say, they can say, how's this work? Well, let me tell you how this works. It took me 20 years to learn how this works and I suffered for it. But now I know some things. You don't have to be 60 years old to learn it. I'll tell you. I'll share with you my wisdom if I had any. So that's the way it is. The Bible says he brought them out. Well, we've had to come out. We've had to come out from lack and poverty. I was raised in not poverty, but certainly lack. My dad always said, we're doing without in order to do. Well, the Bible doesn't say do without in order to do. 
It says, give and it shall be given to you. But that's not, that's a, we didn't do that. So I was raised in that lack. My dad was an investor. He invested in land. And so we always didn't have anything because dad was sending money to West Texas. We were making a payment on some land, or if we did make money, we were drilling a water well. There was nothing left over. There was nothing. Nothing. I could tell y'all stories, but you have a story too. All of us have a story in here about how you were raised. It was none of us raised in a faith home with a faith uh, projection in our lives. We've all had to come through that to get here. But the Bible says he brought us out so that, so that in order to bring us in. So what we've done, so what we've experienced has positioned us to go and have the best God has. Oh, way better to not have much money, but have this coming out in order to go in than to win the lotto. Because that, that money can't stay. It, it has, you have no capacity for it. It cannot stay. It's, it doesn't belong there, and it knows it. And so it's going to where money goes when it has no master. But see, now we've learned to master money. We've learned to dominate money. We've learned to, to make it serve us instead of us serving it. And we're all going through some transitions, all going through some things. If your house isn't paid for, that, but you're going there. If your car isn't paid for, but we're going there. We're on that. We're not just a hoping and a praying, are we? So we've come out of, we've just, we've continued to bring our tithe into the storehouse when we could have made two car payments. Could have made two car payments. Wow, we're fixing to get this thing paid for. Oh, it broke down. Well, the kid needs braces. Well, the house, the plumbing went out. It's like, what happened? We made two payments, but we didn't get far, any further down. We're learning some things, aren't we? We're, we're increasing in that. So, uh, so the, the children of Israel, he brought them out, but how many of y'all know it was just 11 days to go back in, but they couldn't go in because they hadn't come out. He brought them out, but physically they were out, but mentally, soulishly, they were still back there. Everything that come along, they cried, they cried, they cried. Well, we don't have any water, and we don't have, we're tired of manna, and, and we, God keeps just making our clothes keep going forward, and we can get no new fashions in the camp. You know, we're, we're wearing stuff that's 40 years out of fashion, out of style, and because uh, our stuff won't wear out. Well, they had been 430 years under one system. You can't just come out and say, God say, I've given you a land of promise, and go in unless you believe the word. Now, you can bypass your soul, your mind, but you've got to believe the word, and it's got to come out of this down here. You've got to get your heart and faith to override the programming of your mind. And so the Lord told them, I'm going to bring you all out. And then Pharaoh said, not, not on my watch. And for 10 times, the Lord just whacked Pharaoh back, and they saw that. And then they saw the Red Sea, and they saw the, the rock pour out water, a river of water that followed them wherever they went. I mean, just amazing miracles. Quail came in every evening. For two and a half million people, quail came in every evening, and it was enough for everybody to get a bunch. And then the next evening, it would... It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, but yet, they cried about going back. And then when they sent 12 spies in, you know the story, 10 of them cried and bawled and carried on, and, and we can't do it. They were whiners, and they could not go in because they had not come out. Well, we're coming out of some stuff. We're leaving some stuff behind 
even before we actually taste the grapes or taste the land of milk and honey, we're, we're, we just know it's there. We haven't, don't have to taste it. What everybody wants to do is hold on to both. Well, I'll, I'm going to grab on to what the Bible says, but I'm not letting go until I see it. Well, you got to come out. you got to let go. <laughs> you got to let go, and then you can go in. We all want to hold on. We all want to uh, uh, believe in healing and uh, say, well, I, would you pray for me? Well, sure, we'll pray for you. And uh, says, well, I need you to do it on Monday because I got a doctor's appointment on Tuesday, and if it doesn't work, I need to keep that appointment. Well, how many of y'all know that's not coming out? Yeah. It, might, it might be smart. It might be the way to go, but it's not coming out. So it was a crisis for those people to come out of Egypt physically, but not come out spiritually. It was a crisis. A crisis is simply a word that we use for change, for transition. It's always a crisis. If it's not a crisis, you didn't change anything. Every time you change anything appreciably, it is a crisis. You have to realign. I, I recently had to get a new computer because Windows 7 and so it's been a crisis in my life. Call it three days, getting stuff off of one to the other. I know they said hook up the cable, put in the software, and hit the button. But praise God, three days later, it's mostly there. Yay. It was a crisis in my life, this transition, this change. Nobody, now, for Barry, it wouldn't be a crisis. He's like, hit, 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 and then boom, it's done, and it's perfect. But I was there and not Barry. <laughs> so Yay. So there's a necessity to depart anything in your life in order to enter into anything else in your life. It's a necessity to depart, and that means to depart in every sense of that word. And you can fake it. You can say, I did depart, but if your soul is still there, you didn't leave. And it will bite you because you will have to leave or, or, or let go. So... Uh, God always brings us out of a thing. This is that increase that he puts in us, that we want promotion, increase. He brings us to a place of crisis where he says, jump, jump out of the old and so you can jump into the new, and he brings it so we can have increase. You go, well, I, I, I don't want to jump. Well, then you're not going to have increase. Promotion is not yours yet because you have to jump. And there's been a place in your life for everything good that's happened where you can look back and say, well, I did have to jump. Now it seems like it wasn't. When you started tithing, what a jump. It's a major leap. And you might start out and say, well, I'm going to tithe. And then something comes up. Something always comes up. I said, it's the nature of faith for something to push back. And so something came up and said, uh, you can't do both. And it just depends on what you do right there. That determines if you departed. Or if you're still in that place. And so you go around the mountain again and try it, and the devil comes again, and he pushes back, and you, you, but you go, I'm, I'm still where I was before. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna come out to go in. And doggone it worked. Doggone it was a miracle. Somehow it happened. It's like, well, who knew? I can't believe it. <laughs> And it, and it worked. Well, that's the way faith is. It's a spiritual thing, but you got to come out of the world, got to come out of the carnal, got to come out of the natural in order to be qualified to enter. Qualified to enter. Only two of the ten spi ten, 12 spies 
qualified themselves to enter. And what did they do? They said, we're not going back. We don't want to. We want to go in. Yep, there are giants. Yes, there are walled cities. But we can do this. Why? Because God said he's given us the land. So we're going to believe the word, even though it's overwhelmingly impossible. It doesn't look like there's a way. So you can't reason out faith. You have to let this thing rest. Like I said, you have to use it to find which door to go in and, and which side of your plate the peas and the carrots are on. But after that, you don't need much of this up here. Amen. So if you're unwilling to depart, then by default, we are unqualified to enter. Everybody's waiting on God. Well, when God gets ready, I'm ready. And, and when he says, yes, we're going to go, he's been ready a long time. And what we're not waiting on is not God. We're waiting on us to qualify to go in. And so every time you go around the mountain to requalify, then there's the test. It's not God's test. The Bible says in James that God doesn't test anybody. But nevertheless, there's a curse in this world, and it's there. Sin is in this world. The flesh is in this world, and there's plenty of tests in all of those. <laughs> you all know what the flesh does. It's like temptation. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, Proverbs 14.30. You're kind of there. So the... Uh, the temptation when you get into this crisis is to panic. Now, crisis does not mean, Proverbs uh, 14, uh, crisis does not mean that you have to panic. Crisis just means there's a change. There's a choice. There's a decision to be made, whether to go what you're familiar with, what's comfortable, what you've always had, and not depart it or to depart something so that you can enter into a new realm and leave the old behind. So the key is, is not to panic. Because you know what happens when we panic? We always go back to what's familiar, what works. Even though it's not working, we're familiar with how it doesn't work, and we want to go back to that way. And so we don't grow. We don't increase. And we stay the same. We stay in the same thing. In that, uh, uh, that story of uh, Matthew 25, the, the master gave his stuff to three servants. Two of them did what he said. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the third one, and you could tell he wasn't much because he just got his capacity was just one talent versus, uh, was it two and five? Three and five, two and five. It was several in one anyway. And uh, he, he buried his. Well, that's all of our stories at one time. Every one of us have buried our talent before. We, we look at him and go, you idiot. <laughs> We've all missed it. We've all hesitated. We've all jumped back and said, not today, Leroy. We're, we're not going there today. But eventually you have to. There is no other way except for faith to be advanced in the kingdom. A faithful man. Well, how do you be faithful? Is you've resisted a lot of temptations and a lot of mess. You've had to get past some stuff that was not easy. You look back now at your life and say, well, what was so hard about that? It was as big as a mountain when you were there. And, and the mountain in front of you will look small someday, but right now it is treetop hall. It is all over you. So we, every day we're going to increase our incapacity. In Proverbs 14.30, this is, this is important. Uh, the King James says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. 
But in the Living Bible, this is, you hardly ever get anything better in the Living Bible, but here it says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. A relaxed attitude. What does that mean, relaxed? It just means we're not in panic. I refuse to panic. Mark Brzee always said, he said, when you run into a wall, you're praying, you're a praying person, you're a faith person, and you run into a wall, he said, don't keep beating against the wall, step back and look where God's already knocked a hole in the wall. It's like, there's an answer here. I'm just not seeing it on the first try, but there's always a way to win. There's always to triumph in him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Every time, all the time, no matter how we feel, no matter how formidable it looks, everything you're going through, everything that's going to be going, you're going to go through has already been gone through by somebody. There's nothing new that you go, I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. That's not true. Amen. So the key is, is don't be desperate. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you. Don't be desperate. Desperation always puts you in a worse spot, doesn't it? Because you'll do things that, that, uh, to try to get back to the place you were. Uh, don't leave fruitless. Don't leave your situation like the man that had the one talent that buried his talent. Don't leave. Go find a place to trade your talent. And here's the key. Don't depart from your priorities. When you have convictions in your life, when you have things that are that is who you are, you've gained them, you've fought for them, you've suffered for some principles, some convictions. This is who I am. Therefore, this is what I do. This is what I have. Now, the devil or a person or a, a, an event's trying to take that away from me. I am not going to abandon my, abandon my priorities. I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to say that yesterday was my least day. I'll never have a day that's less than yesterday. Well, that means I'm going to stay the same or I'm going up. No more backsliding. No more backsliding. No more saying, well, I'm depressed. Don't be depressed. There is, it is sin to be depressed. I, a lot of people don't like that. And I'm, I'm sorry, you on broadcast that don't like that. But as long as we have this... We're born again and have this. There is no reason that God says, well, it is hard down there. I, I see why they're depressed. No, he says it's hard down there. Get the word out and dominate your situation. Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't feel like it. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Unless you get in faith. So we just get in faith. Amen. So don't take your eyes off your assignment. You got an assignment in your life? Well, of course you do. If you're born again, you have, Paul said, uh, I've run my race and finished my course. So I have a race, I have a course, and you do too. So everything that's coming against you, everything that's trying to get you to stay in the old mode is there to design to keep you on a short course. But you can't get to the victory flag until you go to a new place. If you could get to the victory where you are, you would have already eventually made it cross the line. But we didn't. So it's still out there. So there's something yet in front of us that we have to do. We have to be. We have to have. And so to do that, you gotta in, you got to leave. you got to leave the little thinking, the strata of this is we're little. We're, we're not like other people. We're little. We're weak. We're our family. We, we live here. Well, we don't, didn't go to school there. Or we didn't have, we're not beautiful. Or whatever people are saying. But everybody's saying that. 
Even in amazingly rich people, when they get down to their last $10 million, they start panicking. And you go, give me, give me strength. Give me, a, give me strength down to your last $10 million and you're panicking? We didn't, we didn't flinch when we were down to our last $10, did we? Because <laughs> we say there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Mark chapter 11. We've got to get going here. Hallelujah. We could preach all day, but there's another church coming in at 3.30, so we've got to move it along. Hallelujah. Mark, Mark chapter 11. Here we are. Now, we all know the verse 22, 23, and 24. What things soever you desire when you pray. But verse 24 says, verse, uh, excuse me, verse 25, and when ye stand praying. So that's referring to verse 24. It says, what things soever you desire when you pray. So he, he steps in there in the, and gives you an addendum on 24. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. So don't go to the whatsoever things I desire. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe I receive them and I shall have them. He said, not unless there's a roadblock in front of your life. He said, and when you stand praying, forgive. And then he describes it. If you have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So we have to go through a checklist when we get in faith, don't we? It's part of leaving. We can't leave our life back there with an unforgiven and ought against somebody. Because the Bible says if you can't love the man whom you see, how can you say you love God whom you cannot see? So it's not so much that you got to go make it right with them. A lot of times you'll go apologize or whatever, and they'll go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Or that's nothing. That's no big deal. I, but it's not for them. It's for us. Because we're the ones standing, believing that we receive we got to get everything that's old, that's drawing us back, the, the hook that's pulling us back. we got to cut that thing off. And the way we do it is we forgive. We reckon with our life because it will hold us back and not let us go forward. So uh, verse 25, 26 says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So we've got to be cleansed. You can't go into a new place if you're nasty, if you're dirty, if you've got the old life on you. You can't go up higher if you've got the anchors of the old life still on you. In Hebrews, it talks about that we, we lay aside every weight and sin that's, that's, that does so easily beset us. We've got to lay that stuff aside. So he says, if you want to go up, you want to go further, you want to come out in order to go in, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to get clean. You can't. Pride says, I don't have to lower myself to go do, deal with that. Pride says that. Pride can't go where you want to go. Amen. That's, that's, uh, so forgiveness opens doors. Unforgiveness, we're talking about entering, unforgiveness closes the door. And you can't go in with unforgiveness. And you go, well, it's not that big of a deal, but nothing ever stays a little deal. Everything gets big. And if you, if you harden yourself to little things, callous, then you're going to harden yourself to big things. Suddenly, hey, do you know people that won't repent of anything? 
They are never, never wrong. Never wrong. You go, how'd you get that way? Well, they were never wrong on little stuff. Therefore, they became hardened. When the Bible says that uh, Moses went into the court of Pharaoh to say, let my people go, the Bible says that God hardened his heart. Well, God didn't come down and go, <laughs> your heart is now hardened. The word of the Lord that he rejected hardened his heart. You either go in or you don't go in. And Pharaoh said, we're not doing anything here. And it hardened his heart so that the next time that Moses came, his heart was even harder to get through. If people lay on their deathbed and they've said no to Jesus, no to Jesus all their life, they said, no, I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to get born again. It's very, very hard for them at that last moment of right before death to say yes, because they've the word has hardened them. So it's real important for us not to say no to Holy Spirit when he said, let's let's move in this direction. Let's go there. Let's dare to do this. Take take my hand. The Holy Spirit would say, and let's go do something great for God. If we say no, that's fine, but it's harder for you to get him an audience with you to do it again. We've got to be tender before the Lord. In John chapter 20, you're right there. You know if you've got your Bible open, you're always right there. <laughs> John chapter 10. Uh, 20, yes, 20 is better. It'll, it'll speak better to what we're talking about. John chapter 20. Look at this. Now, this is quite amazing here. Verse 23. I hope you have a star around this verse 23. It says, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. Now, here it implies... I'm not going to make a case of it, but it implies that you and I have the power to forgive sin. Now, the Lord Jesus did that, and he didn't do it as God. He said, they, they, they fussed at him, the Pharisees, and said, who is this that says these can forgive sins? He said, well, is it easier to say, go and be healed, or your sins are forgiven? Sins are against God, but, you know, they're also against us. He said, whosoever sins ye remit... They are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Dr. Cole tells a story about a, an alcoholic man that, uh, that beat his wife, was abusive to her in front of his two sons. And they hated him. They despised this man. But because this man never did ask them to forgive him for this, when he died... Oh, excuse me, he was an alcoholic too, and he was, he was mean. But when he died, they said, we hate him, and we will never be like him. But because they did not remit, they, and whosoever sins ye retained, they retained that sin. They never released the sin of hatred about their father and his abuse of their mother. They became alcoholics that were abusive. You go, how can that be? That's how it is. We have to, we have to re remit. We have to release people. Because uh, I, have y'all ever been mad at anybody for longer than 30 minutes? Or 30 days? Or 30 months? Or a long time? Sure. Did it pay off? Does it ever pay off? We, we, even us, not knowing how things go, we know that was a bad move. And in heaven, we're going to see really how bad of a move it was when we see how it played out. 
because we retain sins. I've been mad at some kinfolks, just, just like, what are y'all doing? What are you doing? And it's like, but what they were doing wasn't affecting me, but I was fired up. And so I got, you know, I, I'm having to lay people down all the time and say, shut up, I forgive you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Is this okay? Now, eventually, almost all of us will get over there where we need to go if we don't run out of time. But the Lord Jesus said he was coming soon. I mean, we just know that from the events that are going on. And, uh, but if he doesn't come, then all of us are going to go to heaven. Unless we're a part of that exception generation, the generation that'll never die. I'm holding on for that. Amen. I don't see as bad as it is how it could go much longer, but that's what my grandparents said, so I guess it could. Uh, to get, all, to run our race and finish our course, we got to be in pursuit. Most Christians are passive. If God wants me to do something, then bless God, he can write it on the wall. Ah, he's done that, and it didn't move anybody. He's, uh, he's come with dire warnings, and it didn't move people. He's, he's, he's done it all, and it didn't move anybody. We've got to want to. It says in chapter 20, verse 23. No, excuse me, Matthew 5, verse 23. There we are. I'm almost... Okay, verse 23. Therefore, well, we won't look at the therefore. If you bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. It didn't say if you have ought against your brother, does it? It says you remember that somebody is, they're ticked. They're mad. They're stomping at you. But you're clean. You're free. You're, you didn't do anything. But he says if you remember that your brother is, he's mad. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. This must be a touchy thing in our spirit. This must be something that, that has importance, that he would have. He said, leave your gift and go enter into forgiveness and come back and enter in with your gift. The passion says if you're presenting a gift before the altar, so that would be to enter into God's blessings, wouldn't it? Is that why we would put a gift at the altar? We want to enter into a harvest, enter into an increase. He said, and suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. He's, and the implication there is, is instead of entering the wrong, instead of entering in prematurely, instead of entering in unclean, he said, don't do it. Don't enter in if you can't enter in right. He said, put your gift on the altar. And go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. So he said, go make the wrong right. Even if you didn't do it, but you reconcile, then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. He said, so you have to leave that before you can enter this. Otherwise, entering this won't happen. And why would you bring your gift to the altar if you didn't want something to happen? We're very vested in that we give and we want it to be given to us. 
Um, we could we could say about inter, departing and entering is uh, do, how many people do you know? Don't raise your hand in case it's you that that only work for money. They have a job and they work for money and they only work for money. And if they don't ha have if they don't have money in the in the job, they're not going to work. And everybody says, well, of course, what stupid idiot would would not do that? The whole world, I can tell you. Uh, because then your value as a person, as a, as a believer in that realm, is you are worth no more than money. You have painted yourself into a corner that says, I'm a hireling, I work for money, and if there's no money, I don't work. But that's not kingdom. You go, well, that's a, that'd be a secret if it worked. So suppose you lose your job and you go home and complain to your wife or your husband and you say, this isn't fair, they shouldn't have fired me, they shouldn't be this and that, and you complain and you get stressed out, you go into panic because you're only worth money. You only work for money, and if there's no money, then you have no worth or value because you're just worth money. And so you come home and you just stay at home. Now, there's a situation that you have to leave in order to enter in. What, what are you wanting when you lo lose your job? You want another job. You're wanting a better job. That raggedy old job anyway, and everybody, you know, cusses their boss and carries on about it, wasn't any worth anything. But the truth is, that was, that was paying the bills. <laughs> we, we were going every day, we liked it that much. But what would be the right way? How would you leave in order to enter? You wouldn't go home and sit on the couch and watch Fox News all day long. You wouldn't go together and say, let's get out some old puzzles and see if we can put them together. That's not who you are. Who are you? You are a sower. You are a giver. You are a believer. So instead of going home and sitting, we should go back to work because our value is not based on the money we work for. It's based on we work as a seed. Now, the fact that your boss pays you and, and it's regular, it's on Friday and it's this much is irrelevant. Don't get confused by that. We are sowing our life. When you go to work, it's not for money. What did we give this morning? We sowed our seed. What's that for? That's for our life. We sow to live. We don't go to work to live. So what should you do? You, you, get, you go, ah, there's plenty more where that came from. Isn't that what we say? There's plenty more. I was looking for a job when I got this one, and there's plenty more. So what do you do? You go volunteer somewhere. You go, you go rake the leaves out of your neighbor's house. You go, uh, you go to the church and say, hey, what can we do? You volunteer. You work, and you, go, you leave the house at 8 o'clock. Your wife does not want you around all day long. I can tell you, you're a, you're a feisty little fella. And uh, you, need to, you need to go. Well, a lot of people go to the bar or go, you know, go spit and whittle. No, we go volunteer. We go, we continue to sow our life and we never go back to that old thing we were. We enter into productivity, into fruitfulness. And so we, we leave defeat because when you get fired, it's a defeat in, in a way. But if you leave that right, it's not a defeat. It's a victory to go into the next job because you had to leave that job to go to another one. We just don't like how it happened. We just don't like that, that our boss just didn't see how good we were and didn't keep us. Oh, this was a blessing. Oh, 
This is God's timing. I wouldn't be looking for a job except they let me go from a job. I'm going to go work at the church or go volunteer for the blood bank or whatever. And they'll call me over here and say, we need you. It's spiritual, not physical. You have to leave spiritually or you're going to stay physically. Amen. I hardly ever see this done. This is rare. But it's what I do. I wouldn't miss a day. I'd come home at 5 o'clock, too. I'd, I'd tell the blood bank or the lady you're raking, I'd say, it's time for me to get off. And you'd go home, and she'd say, how was work today? She said, you would say, it's great. That's who you are. If you just quit because you don't get a check, that's who you are. And that can't come out in order to go in. I'm in Luke chapter 12, and this is the last scripture. We've got lots of time, but we've got to beat them at O'Charlie's, don't we? Those Baptists are loading up at the door right now and saying we can beat them. <laughs> okay, chapter 12 of Luke. Let's look in verse 28. We'll be through here. We know this scripture, but here, and we usually read it out of Matthew. But if then God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field, which today is in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye which ye shall eat, nor what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world, the Gentiles, it says, seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. What things do we have need of? The same things that the Gentiles need. We need animal crackers at our house. We need Diet Coke. We need, y'all know what we need. <laughs> same thing the Gentiles need. But he says, so here's, here's what's, what's different about you. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. And I love, fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. That's talking about if you were to lose your job or you just, you just keep going. But here's verse 34. For where your treasure is, where my storehouse is, it's also translated where your wealth is, where your wealth is, there your heart will be also. So we're, we're steering our future with our heart. We're not going down there and applying, you know, just give me a job, give me a job. No, we're applying where with our heart. And when you go and rake leaves or go down to the blood bank or whatever, I've got this real narrow, but it's, it's broad as it can be. Then it keeps your heart flowing. What feels better than having the time to go help somebody? What feels better? I mean, if we went by feelings, what feels better than, than the proverbial Boy Scout helping the little old lady across the street? It, it just like, ah, oh, yeah, merit badge time, you know. <laughs> Well, that's, how, that's what you stay in that flow of increase and you never stop and let defeat, let defeat bump into you. 
Amen. Amen. The, uh, the New Living says, you'll, you'll uh, excuse me, uh, depart all that is not treasure. So if, you, if you've got a treasure in your life, you, you're running your race and finishing your course, never let your assignment out of your sight. Because you just got so many days. Either we're going to leave this life or Jesus is coming after us. And if you knew, well, I got 1,752 days, that'd be, you'd start living every one of them and you'd check them off, 1751, 1750. But we just think oh, it's innumerable. I got as many as I want and I can squander my life here because I got as many as I want there. And you know that's not true. It's a finite life, whatever it is. Some live longer, but some live longer and don't do anything with their living longer. Yeah, it's amazing how many people want to live longer and want to take up this and that. But they don't want to do anything for God. I love that verse that we've been reading in Job 22, 28. It says, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. And the light, the Amplified says, the light of God's favor shall shine upon your way. So people that have purpose, people that have leaving the old with a destination of entering the new, it's not hard to cut off the old because, bless God, this thing is an anchor. This thing is a, is a rock title. I'm going to the new. You don't have any problem getting rid of stuff if you know that there's a new, a good. So you decree a thing. Bless God, I'm going up. I've got sickness in my body, but it's not taking me out. This thing has moved through to me to go through me, but it's not taking me with it. And finances, do you know how much money there is in the world? The Bible says that God owes the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold and the silver are his. Do you think he's looking for the, he's shaking out the couch to get you your rent? <laughs> the heavenly couch? Well, it's four miles long. <laughs> no, it is not. It's everywhere. So it's not that God has a giving problem. It's, if there is a problem, it's that we have a receiving problem. And we have a receiving problem because we're living in the, in the wilderness when God has said, let's go into the land of promise. It's 11 days from Egypt. Y'all can hike up there over the week and take a weekend on each side and you'll be there. No, Lord, we, we're going to gripe and complain and live here and it'll take us 40 years to get in there. And that means everybody died. Everybody over 21 died. It's a sad commentary. But Joshua and Caleb went in. How many Joshua's and Caleb's do we have? Ah, we, we're not going to be slowed down or stopped by this mess. Ah, it's just like it. It's just, walled cities, you go, that was bad. Now, what you're going through is bad. It's a walled city. Philistines and giants, oh, yeah, I've seen them this week. Have you seen them this week, seen, seen them this month? Well, yeah, so we're going through the same thing that the spies went through. It is no different. Well, if I'd been there, we'd have done this and that. Well, you are there. In your life right now, we are there. So, so tell your life, decree a thing, thou shalt decree a thing, no giant is going to keep me from going in. Decree a thing, no walled city, no weird boss, no little salary, no symptom in my life is going to keep me. I shall decree a thing, and it shall, it shall, this is Old Testament, it's the least of our life, it shall be established unto you, and... The light of God's favor, he'll open every door before you get there. Don't you love those doors and stores that you just walk up to them and they open? Yeah. Unless you're a fast walker. <laughs> yeah. Slow down. Slow down. 
Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's just got it. He's got it so many ways. We're bound to like one of them. <laughs> Who are you? What have you got? What do you need? Where are you going? He's got a plan for that. And it's just awesome. I would confess this. I'll get you the references, but you can trust me. They're all in there. Every one of these, I got scripture for. Every one of the 109 of them. And I'll bring them to you. And you look them up and say, golly, he told the truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So where are we going to be next month, in the month of March? We're going to be further down the road than we are right now. We're none of us going to stay here and none of us going to go back. This is our least day. I said, decree a thing with me. This is my least day. I'm not ever going to have another little day like this. I'm done. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are right. Your word says what it says, and you're right. So we just turn from wrong and turn to right. Your word is right. And we believe it because we're believers, and we move from little to much, from slow to fast, to, to hardly ever, to all the time, from little to abounding. Lord, we move according to what you have said that we should have what we should do and what we should be. And we give you praise, Lord. Our life is just a praise to you for what you've already done in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you.